You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today, we're going to continue our series on the little book of Philippians, and the message is entitled Press On. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you enjoy. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the book of Philippians. Today, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, and uh, we're going to finish out chapter 3. We've been going through the book of Philippians, and it's been a, a rich study, and the book just really preaches itself. As I was studying it this week, I, I was reminded of a story. It's a, a story of two women that, that died and went to heaven. They were older women, and they got up there. They saw the streets of gold. They saw Jesus, and they were just taken back. And one looked at the other and just said, I cannot believe I spent my whole life eating healthy and living healthy. I could have been here a lot sooner. I could have been here a lot sooner and I could have enjoyed fried chicken and all that stuff in my time on earth. I thought about that story because that's kind of what we're talking about today, kind of what this passage speaks to today about pressing on. We've talked a lot about the context of Philippians, but, but this morning, I really if there is a time to really think about the context of this and the man writing this, I think it's today. As I was studying this passage this week, I couldn't help but think of, of how really spoiled I've gotten in my life. I mean, I don't know what I would do this week if I didn't have air conditioning. I mean, it would be hard. Or, or what if I didn't have... Plumbing, that would be hard. What if I didn't have a, a, a physician like the dry prong clinic to go to when I was sick? What if I was unable to meet with my brothers and sisters in Christ? These things that, that we've become so accustomed to, I want to tell you that, that Paul, he's, he's in prison writing these things, and he's in prison for, for simply doing what God's told him to do. And he's in a place and he's got no air conditioning or no heat. I don't know the climate of where he was at, but I know it's not comfortable like we're comfortable. I know he doesn't have any plumbing because that wasn't around, you know, in the, until the last hundred years or so, I guess. I, I know clothes have came a long way. A lot of things have happened. And so here Paul is. He's in prison. He can't meet with his brothers and sisters. Yet he still finds reasons to rejoice. But you couple this with the fact that, that Paul had seen the resurrected Jesus. And in Corinthians, we even see that, that he at one point he got called up and he saw what's awaiting him in heaven. So I can see why he said in, in chapter 1 where he's, he's hard pressed between the two. It's hard to know what to do. Do I, do I press on or, or do I stay? I really, really want to go be with my Savior. I've had enough of this. It's a hard life. But I know God needs me here. And so I want you to consider that. That's the context of which Paul is writing this church today. So let's read the passage this morning. Chapter 3, verse 12. He says, Not that I have already attained... Or I'm already perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree which we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk. You have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven from whom we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So Paul, he's writing them and he says, look, I'm not there yet, but I've decided to press on. I'm pressing on. I'm looking forward. I'm not thinking about the things in the past. I'm pressing forward. And I think as I read this, some things stand out to me that I need to be reminded of in my own personal life. And I think Paul needed to be reminded of this in his personal life. And the church in Philippi did too. And here's number one. Number one is simply this. We have not reached the goal yet. Sometimes we need to be reminded that that we're not there yet. On a personal level, this means a lot to me whenever I read this. This is why, because we've not reached the goal yet, this is why you're not going to find a perfect church. You can go to every church, every Baptist church, every Pentecostal church, every Catholic church. And let me tell you, you're not going to find perfect churches because there's no perfect Christians. I've been told if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. It doesn't exist. So we've not reached the goal yet. There's no perfect Christians. There's no perfect churches. I'm reminded when I get up in the morning that, hey, I'm not reached the goal yet. And I'm reminded there's no perfect days. There are days when when things are just hard. There are days when things don't go right. Not reached the goal yet. There's no perfect days. Church, if you're here this morning and you don't identify as a Christian and you don't understand about this church stuff, let me just share with you. We are a forgiven people. We're not a perfected people yet. This place serves more as a hospital than anything else. A place where where sinners can come and worship our Savior. This is a place we come and we get a taste of what's to come, but we've not reached the goal yet. It's also a great reminder that we live in a fallen world. We've not reached the goal yet. So I'm a Christian living in a fallen world, like he said in verse 20. I'm a citizen of heaven, but I'm still here. We've not reached the goal yet. So I realized that this morning, but on a more broader level, I also realized the second thing. And this God is still working on His church. Just because we're not there yet, not just because that things are tough, doesn't mean that God has stopped working on His church. When I think about this, when I realize that that I'm not perfect, and I realize there's no perfect Christians, when I realize we haven't reached the goal yet, it should motivate me and it should motivate you to ask for forgiveness daily. I'm not there yet, so yes, I mess up. But when I mess up, I go to my 
my Lord and my Savior. Like Shay's saying, I speak Jesus. I'm not there yet, so God's still working on me. God's still working on His church. So when I get up in the morning, I need to have a time when I ask for instructions and I ask for guidance daily because God's still working on me and God's still working on His church. And when I say God's still working on His church, I mean you and I, the, the body, the believers. Listen, when I understand that God's still working on me, then I understand that God's still working on you. So that should motivate us to extend grace, extend, extend forgiveness to others. Because we're not there yet, a good example is in marriage. I have to understand that Carissa's, I'm not there yet, Carissa's not there yet either. So I need to extend grace to her. She needs to extend grace to me. I need to extend grace to you as a pastor, and you need to extend grace to me as a church member. We should have a healthy understanding what it means for Christ to be working in the midst of a believer. God was still working on the Apostle Paul in prison and he's still working on me and he's still working on you today. Don't get the wrong idea. This does not mean that, that we tolerate, that we accept. And it certainly doesn't mean that, that we're going to go out and we're going to celebrate sinfulness. But we help each other grow. We help each other press on. Even the idea of, of church discipline, something that sounds so harsh and so cruel to the outside world. The idea of church discipline, that's not to disassociate fellowship. It's to restore fellowship. We're to build bridges, not barriers to Christ and his church because God's still working on his church and he's still working on us. But mainly Really, the meat of this this morning, really the meat and what I've entitled this this morning is that we're to press on. We are to press on. God has called us to press on. And he said that in verse 12. He said, I'm not perfected, but I press on. I'm reminded of what he wrote the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Listen to what he says. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to a death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Paul says we're dealing with all of this stuff, but we press on. Church, I just want to tell you whatever you're going through today. There's a lot of people here today going through a lot of different things. Whatever you're going through today, don't be discouraged. Don't give up. Press on. 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep pressing on. One day, Paul had already been through this in chapter 2. We read it a few weeks ago. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. One day, Christ will have the ultimate victory. We're not there yet. Until that day, we're called to press on. So how are we to press on? How are we to do these things? How, how am I to press on? And really, Paul, he really just mentions two, two things that he says that he does in verse 13. He says, I'm not there yet, 
But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things that are behind. So how do we press on? Well, one thing is to forget the things that are behind us. Forget those things that are behind you. I want to tell you, church, sometimes I wish I could change the past, but I can't. You can't change the past, but you can keep it in the past. I want to encourage you today. Don't let your past define you. If you're here today and you're a Christian, the Bible is quite explicit. You're a new creation in Christ. The old you is gone. The old you is dead. You don't have to live there anymore. Press on by forgetting the things that are behind you. I want to tell you, it's the saddest thing to me when I hear a Christian give a testimony and they act like their life before Christ is somehow better than after Christ. I hear it all the time. Well, used to, I was in college and used to, I used to drink a six pack a night and used to, I used to have all these girlfriends and, and all this happened. And then I found Jesus. And now I come to church every day and, you know, it's just I wake up early in the morning and I'm like, that, that's nuts. That's nuts. You shouldn't want to go back to your former life. I mean, think about it. That would be the equivalent of somebody spending life in Angola on death row, getting a pardon from death row and saying, man, I miss what I had going on at Angola down there. No. Let me tell you, church, you could not pay me enough to go back to life without Christ. I don't want to be back there. Yeah, I, I remember the friends I had back there. Yeah, I remember that life. But more than anything, I remember the anger. I remember the hopelessness. I remember the feeling of not having peace. I remember the, the, the lack of purpose in my life. I don't want to go back to that. I want you to understand that, that the, the Greek word here is too long for me to pronounce. But when he says forget... This word, it really doesn't mean to just write over the past. It means to neglect it. It means to overlook it. Because obviously Paul had not totally forgotten about his past because just a few verses earlier, he shared his background. He shared that he was a Pharisee of a Pharisee from the tribe of Benjamin. But what he's saying here, he's saying that, hey, I am no longer defined by my past. No longer do I have to pay the wages for those sins because Jesus has done that? Let me just tell you, when you look back on your life, the life you led before Christ, you should be filled, absolutely filled with thanksgiving that God pursued you and God saved you from the life that was hopeless without Him. Let me tell you, a life without Christ was no life at all. I look back at my life and my simple, simple phrase is this, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me from myself. First thing he does, he says, I let go of the things that are behind me. I forget my past. And secondly, he says, I reach forward. Reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Reaching forward. You know what I found as human beings? It's interesting to look at animals like horses that can see out of each side. But humans, we can only see whatever direction we're looking at. You can't look back when your eyes are fixed forward. So I want to tell you to reach forward. I'm not looking back because I know only death and destruction lives before Christ. I don't want to go back. Paul was looking forward. Paul was reaching forward and he wasn't looking back. 
Romans 8.16 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And I love this verse, verse 18, Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. I mean, go back, just imagine, wherever Paul's at, whatever he's doing, he's able to say, not whatever I'm going through today, it's just going to be a minute. And there's a glorification coming for me and everybody that knows Christ that words can't even describe. Man, I'm looking forward to a lot of things. Me and Ashley talked about it earlier. I cannot wait. Cannot wait for deer season. I can't wait for LSU football. Did you know there's only 24 Mondays till Christmas? I am counting it down. But let me tell you, church, Christmas morning cannot even be compared to the glory that awaits me one day. I'm reaching forward. Let me tell you, one day, one day, and... and don't get me wrong, I hope it's a long day away, but one day, some of you in here are going to read on social media that Pastor Kevin Goodman has died, but let me share with you this. You can take that article, you can take that obituary, and you can share it as fake news, because when that arrives, I will be more alive than ever before. When that day arrives, I'll be with my Redeemer. I'll be pain-free. I'll be sin-free. I'll be in a place where there's no strokes. There's no cancer. There's no hurting. There's no fighting. There's no wars. They won't even be Republicans and Democrats no more. I'm looking forward to that day, and I am pressing on to it. But look, but, but here comes an important question, and it's really what Paul's been getting at the whole time, all the way back in verse 1. Well, why press on? You're looking so forward to that, Brother Kevin, and I'm looking forward to that. Why press on? I mean, why not just call it quits? You believe God is sovereign? You believe He calls people to Himself? You believe you're saved because He pursued you? Why press on? Why not just let God be sovereign and just go through the motions? Or why not, we could take this to the very, very, very extreme. Why not just be like Jim Jones and pass the Kool-Aid around and let's get on with this thing and go to heaven today. Because thing, things are hard. I mean, times are hard today. And if it's hard for me, I can only imagine back in this church's day. And I think, I think that's why Paul closes out this section kind of like he does right here. When he says in verse 17, Join in following my example and note those who so walk, as you have us for an example for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Why press on? We press on because we're in a battle. And soldiers don't quit. And soldiers don't leave other soldiers behind. We're called to stand and we're called to fight against the lies of the devil. I look at this and I read, I get a really good picture. I want you to really look in verse 18. Look at how Paul viewed the enemies of the cross of Christ. Last week, if you were here, I referenced these TikTok pastors and these false teachers and and like he did too, and he says, beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers. And it's really easy 
especially as a minister. It is really easy to get angry and to get vengeful. And it's really easy even to get excited to say, hey, I can't wait for the day to come whenever your, your tongue's going to confess and your knee's going to bow. But Paul didn't have an attitude like that. Verse 18, he said, Many walk whom I've told you, and I'm telling you now, even weeping, I'm weeping over these people that are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Church, Christ will have the victory, and one day every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. But our goal, our goal is not to win against the loss. Our goal should be to win the loss. I'm pressing on so that my children and my grandchildren will see the truth. I'm pressing on in hopes that the loss will change from enemies of the cross to allies of the cross. Why was Paul's heart so broken over this? Why was he able? How was he able to weep over these people? And here's the truth. Because Paul was one of them. He was one of the ones that was persecuting the church. He was an enemy of the cross. And the Lord changed him from an enemy to an ally. And church, you cannot see enemies become allies when you throw in the towel. You can't be a soldier for Christ. You can't stand against the lies of the devil by throwing in the towel, by living in the past. You know, we're going through these, these spiritual disciplines and I'm excited about tonight to go over the, the second one. When we get to heaven, there's going to be all kinds of things that we can do as heaven, do in heaven that I'm looking forward to. We're going to learn a lot about theology I'm going to learn how God did it with creation. And we'll have a really firm understanding one day of eschatology and all of these mysteries. There's going to be worship unlike we've never experienced before. But there's one thing in heaven that we're not going to be able to do that we can do here. And do you know what that is? It's evangelism. It's winning the lost. Because there will be no lost people in heaven. Right here today, God has called us to press on, to help fight for His church, to help build His kingdom, to help build His church, to help equip His saints. That's why we press on to see the enemies become allies. One other reason why we press on, and we press on for this reason, because we're citizens. We're citizens. And I love the way it says it in verse 24. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, citizenship isn't granted at physical death. It's granted at the moment Jesus comes into your heart. The moment that, that you're justified, the moment that, that you're freed from your sins, you are granted citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I've got some great news today for you, church. You don't have to wait for all that heaven has to offer. Some of heaven is available right now, even today. You don't have, I mean, you're going to have to wait for some things. You're going to have to wait for the day when you'll have a new body. You're going to have to wait for a day when you're going to live in a sin-free, racist-free, politic-free world. You're going to have to wait for those things. 
But some heavenly things that, that we're going to read about in chapter 4 coming up, some heavenly things are available right now today. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that, that the world doesn't have. Why does... Why is the world fighting so hard for their beliefs and to make the world a better place? Because they think they're the only ones that can do it. But I've got news for you. Jesus is the author and the finisher. He's going to make it perfect one day. So I have peace. That perfect love of a heavenly father, whether you know your daddy or mama or not, that perfect love of a heavenly father, you don't have to wait to die for that. You can get that today. True happiness True, true, true happiness. You don't have to wait to die to be with your Savior for that. That can start today. And true joy. And joy. To rejoice even when times are bad. You can have that today. And that happens through having a relationship with Jesus. Throughout my, my time in ministry, one thing that I've learned, and I'm sure Brother Ray can share this too, Man, it just becomes so obvious whenever you sit at the deathbed of somebody where their faith is and where their hope is. And I've met several. I met one this week. Many of you know her. I'm not going to say her name. But, but I'm just impressed whenever I meet somebody that's weeks, maybe days, away from meeting their Savior they're excited about it. They're happy about it. They're hopeful about it. And while they're waiting, they use that little bit of time to encourage me as a minister or encourage you as a friend or encourage their husband or their daughter. They know where their citizenship is. They have a peace. They have a hope. They have an understanding. And they don't know when that moment's coming, but they're pressing on until it comes. Man, church, I just tell you, my wish for you today is that every person in this place and every person listening to the podcast and every person I meet would not be an enemy of the cross, but an ally of the cross. I wish everybody would understand the peace and the hope that only Jesus gives. And I wish the Christians would just get motivated to press on because there's nothing better than seeing somebody find that hope, seeing somebody find that peace, Seeing somebody find that joy, it's a wonderful thing that happens by pressing on. That happens by, by being motivated. That happens by being burdened, even weeping for the enemies of the cross of Christ. So this morning, I'll just end it with, with a question before our invitation. Are, are you an enemy of the cross or an ally of the cross? Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope that you'll keep pressing on even though times are sometimes hard. If you like what you heard, I hope you'll like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Or even better yet, I hope you'll come join me for worship in person every Sunday morning at First Baptist Drive Prong, 10 o'clock a.m. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.